you know, the book of Revelation, I love what Brother Hodge said when he's talking about the book of Revelation. He said those horses sometimes buck him off that, that we've all been bucked off of those horses, Brother Hodge, I can tell you right now. Because uh, you, you, there's a lot of opinions and a lot of things in the book of Revelations that, that we just don't really understand every bit of it. And I, I don't believe that God intended for us to know everything because I, I just believe that he left some things for us to, to maybe wonder about simply because it helps us to prepare for the end of time. I believe that. And uh, so I'm, I, I'm asking you to just bear with us here tonight and let's try, to, let's try to understand it to the best of our ability. The last thing we studied or talked about in Lesson 11 was the Battle of Armageddon, the horrible Battle of Armageddon. When the nations of the earth are going to gather and going to fight against God's people, the Jews, and the Lord is going to ride back in with his saints and the sword of the Lord is going to proceed out of his mouth. And uh, we're, we're going to see the Lord save Israel. And the Lord is going to defeat the armies of the earth. The horrible battle of the end of the, it, it called Armageddon, where the blood will run to the horse's bridle, where it will take seven months to bury the dead. When the fowl from all the earth will gather and uh, eat the flesh of dead men, uh, and a third of the earth is going to be killed at the Battle of Armageddon. It's going to be it's going to be a very 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 horrible time. But soon as uh, the the New Age dawns after the Lord comes back to this earth, the Bible talks about Him coming back. You remember when He left? He He left, and two angels came in His stead. And said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye here gazing to the heavens, this same Jesus that you shall, that you've seen go away, you're going to see him come again. And he's going to come again, and he's going to establish his kingdom upon this earth. And that will be after the battle of Armageddon. <laughs> we have studied, I was picking with uh, Sister Erlene, Brother Toby in the office tonight. And I said, I think I'll just get up tonight and say, okay, we've talked about six dispensations, and I want somebody to stand up and name all six of them. And if nobody can do it, we'll just shut her down and go home because y'all didn't get it. be a good way out for me. But uh, we, we have studied six dispensations of time, and, and we understand that today we are living in the dispensation of grace. Everybody say grace. It's the unmerited favor of God. And I thank the Lord for the day of grace. But the kingdom age is coming, and it's coming very soon. It will begin when the Lord rides back to this earth and brings his saints, and he destroys and, uh, the Antichrist, and he destroys the beast and uh, the, the false prophet, and he comes against them. When the Lord comes back, he's going he's gonna to destroy the enemies of Israel. But not only that, he's going to bind the devil for a thousand years. Everybody say a thousand years. This is what we know as the millennium. Okay? Everybody with me? Good. That's what I thought. Y'all leave a man out here on an island by himself. But the kingdom age is the seventh dispensation. It's a dispensation that we are uh, headed to, but not there yet. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm teaching about something today that I don't intend to have any part of, except to be a ruler and a king and a priest with the Lord. I don't intend to be on this earth except with a glorified body, with Jesus Christ. Amen. Because I intend to go in rapture and go to the marriage supper of the Lamb and ride back in with the Lord on a horse and going to be victorious in the kingdom of God. And I hope you're planning on doing the same thing. But when, uh, when Jesus' feet touched the Mount of Olives, the place where he ascended back up into heaven, uh, the scriptures teach us that that mountain is going to split and uh, there's going to be a form that's going to form a deep valley from east to west. And at that precise moment, the kingdom age is going to begin, and the, 
the new age of, of God ruling and reigning with his church. Brother, that's when you're going to be glad you're in the bride of Christ. That's going to be glad. That's when you're going to be glad that you're in the church of the living God. And uh, when, when he does that, then Satan is bound. Now, we're going, this is the first chart that we'll look at tonight, and you'll see the things that are going to happen in the kingdom age. Now, let me, let me preface my remarks tonight. I don't know the answer to every question, but I can give you these scriptures and I can show you what the Lord says is going to happen in the kingdom age. The, the enemy of all men from the Garden of Eden until now, the devil is going to be bound. Can you imagine a world without a devil? Amen. No tempter, no accuser, no wickedness. Now, the carnality of men will still be in men because we are born in sin and we are shaped in iniquity. But as far as there being a devil, the chief enemy of all mankind will be bound for 1,000 years. And uh, if you read in Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 15 through 17, it says, Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit that they that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms, that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of his prisoners? So as, as we view Satan with uh, Christ's heel planted firmly upon his head, then the prophecies of, of, of Genesis chapter 3 suddenly come to light because Satan is bound. The earth is going to enjoy a time of liberty with no devil, and man is going to still possess his nature, but he's not going to have to deal with temptation from the devil. If he sins, it's going to be on his own carnal nature, and there will be sin. But this is God's final test of fallen humanity. When man is living without a devil to blame it on, we often say, and it's a little saying, well, the devil made me do it. There's some things, ladies and gentlemen, the devil don't make you do. There's some things our own flesh makes us do. Can you say amen? So this is a, this is a time, a glorious, satanless existence for 1,000 years. During that time, notice the second thing there, Eden is going to be recreated. Remember in the Garden of Eden there was peace and serenity and Adam was naming the animals and, and uh, there, there was just, it was the peace and the, the glorious innocence of the garden and here is what God is going to do. He's going to bring that back together. In Eden, and or in the last days when the Lord brings the earth back to the, the atmosphere of Eden, Zechariah said in chapter 8, verse 12, For the seed shall be prosperous, the vine shall give her fruit, the ground shall give her increase, and the heavens shall, their, shall give their due, and I will cause the remnant of this people to possess all of these things. So the curse upon the earth, from man's disobedience is going to suddenly be abolished. Pardon me. Then the whole earth will be like an agricultural paradise. This is going to be what happens in the millennial. Isaiah's picture of, of, of this time resembles Eden's paradise. And let me read it to you. Isaiah 35. Verse 1 and then verse 6 through 7. The Bible said, The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice, and the blossom as the rose. And then he skips down, he said, For in the wilderness shall waters break out, and streams in the desert, and the parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water in the habitation of dragons, where each lay shall be grass with seeds and rushes. 
He goes on to say in, in Isaiah 55, just bear with me here a minute. Instead, the thorn shall come up the shall come up the fir tree, and instead the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, and it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. This is going to be the conditions in the time of the millennium. And then not only that, the nature of animals are going to change. The only animal that is not going to change is going to be the serpent. The animal kingdom will be just as it was before the curse in the Garden of Eden. The Bible said the wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. I'm not going to read it all, but the Bible expresses what is going to happen in the millennium. Not only that, but health is going to be restored. Pardon me tonight. Health is going to be restored. The medical and pharmaceutical professions, we won't need them during the millennium because they will be non-existent. There's no sickness. There's no disease. There will be no purpose for their existence at all. Isaiah 33 said it this way, The inhabitants shall not say, I am sick. The people that dwell therein shall be forgiven their iniquity. And again he said in verse 35, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as an heart, and the tongue of the dumb shall sing. So it's going to be a beautiful, wonderful glorious time where there's no health problems, there's no devil, the animals are going to be, go back to the nature of Eden, Eden will be recreated, human life is going to be extended. Listen to me, the new kingdom age will feature life with much longer spans like it was in the Bible days. The Bible said in Isaiah 65, there shall be no more thence an infant of days, nor an old man that hath not filled his days. For the child shall die an hundred years old, but the sinner being a hundred years old shall be accursed. And then it says in Zechariah 8 and 4, there shall yet there shall yet old men and old women dwell in the streets of Jerusalem and every man with his staff in his hand for very age. If you study all of that, you realize that human life is once more going to be extended because there's not going to be sickness and health problems. There's going to be one language that is going to be upon this earth. The Bible said in Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 9, For then will I turn to the people a pure language that they may all call upon the name of the Lord to serve him with one consent. So there's going to be one religion. I'm just going down, and you can follow me right here. You, if you have the study sheets, those scriptures are in your study sheets. Serving God will be the popular thing in the millennium because God is going to be the ruler. He's going to be sitting on the throne. He's going to be in Jerusalem. Jesus Christ is coming back to sit upon the throne, and he's going to rule with a, with a rod of iron upon this earth. But the, the Bible teaches us that people will go back and worship him. As a matter of fact, people will go once a year to Jerusalem. They'll make that trek to Jerusalem to worship him. You're going to get to go if you hadn't ever been if you wait till the millennium. I advise you not to do that. Amen. Peace and justice are going to reign. I, I'm, I'm just going to tell you the scriptures are there. If I read every scripture tonight, we're not going to get past the first chart. Jerusalem is the headquarters. With the kingdom in full swing, Jerusalem will be the place that we go. The Bible, I will read this because it's so important. Many people shall go up and say, Come ye and let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and, and he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So from Jerusalem, from his headquarters, from, from the headquarters of Jesus Christ, the new kingdom is going to regulate the world. 
And guess who's going to be in charge? We who have been bought with his blood that have made the rapture of the church that come riding back into this world upon horses in a victorious battle in Armageddon, we are going to have a place to rule and reign with God in the millennium. I want to, I want to come back to this earth, but I want to do it with Jesus Christ. I want to be on this earth, but I want to be on in this earth with a glorified body. I hope I'm not losing you today. Just, just read the chart. You can see what's here. This is really what's happening. All of the things that I'm telling you are coming to pass. There's going to be a temple in Jerusalem where the Antichrist ruled, but, but the Lord is going to rule. And now, and now the reigning, go to the next chart if you will, Brother, Brother Jeff. I'm, I'm skipping a few things here, but uh, let me go to the next chart. Reigning in the kingdom age. And I don't mean like R-A-I-N reigning. I mean R-E-I-G-N reigning, okay? In charge, the head, reigning in the kingdom age. You'll see it on your chart. Uh, let's, let's go first of all to the one on the left top that says we shall be like him. Let me tell you, when you leave this world in the rapture, you're going to be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. Now, my wife's scared of flying, and she always says, it better be in the moment in the twinkling of an eye because I don't want to be flying up in the air. But it will be. The Bible said we shall be changed. Everybody say we shall be changed. The Bible said the corruptible is going to put on incorruption and the mortal is going to put on immortality. So when we leave this world, we're going to be changed in the moment and the twinkling of an eye. Not only will the earth and its system vastly be different than before, but we are going to be gloriously different. No more arthritis. No more bad sight. No more sickness. No more chemo. No more bad legs. No more hurting bones. I'm preaching to people who know what I'm talking about. Amen. No more surgeries. We're going to be changed. Our physical bodies, Paul claimed in, in, in uh, Philippians 3.21, he said, Who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body? We're going to be like Jesus. And he had a glorified body. Amen. So, Notice the contrast between our present bodies and our glorified bodies. Let me, let me say this to you. The present body is sown in corruption, but we're going to be raised in incorruption. It's sown in dishonor, the present body, but our glorified body is going to be raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, but our glorified body is going to be raised in power. It's sown in a natural body, but it's, what we're going to have is a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body according to the Word of God. And we're going to put on a spiritual body. Amen? I, 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 and I'm no, I know more about this than I used to know because I'm an experienced hand. I used to listen to all these elder folks say, oh, boy, I tell you, we used to have a lady in our church, my wife, every once in a while she'll say, poor old Sister Shaddai, why didn't we listen to her? Because every time you got around her, she was the sweetest person. But I tell you, you dare not ask her how she was because she was hurting from head to toe and she was aching all over and she had a miserable time in her elder years. And we, my, we you know, we, we used to kind of say, oh, Lord, don't ask her. But now I'm where Sister Shadon's at. I understand Sister Shadon now. She's gone to be with the Lord many years ago. But you know what? These old bodies wear out. But our spiritual body is not going to wear out. Can you say amen? Our new spiritual glorified body is going to be identical to that of Jesus Christ. The Bible said we shall be like him. Like him. And I believe that's our spiritual body. And then let's, let's, talk, let's talk about this second part on this chart. That is, uh, you see the little... Small block there, it says various ranks and positions of authority. Here's what I want to tell you. You are earning today your rank and authority in the millennium. 
Think about that. Every deed you do, every time you come to church, every time you win a soul, every prayer time you have, every time you read the Word of God, every time you have an encounter with Jesus Christ, you are literally positioning yourself now for what you can be in the millennium. I know that's far out for some of you, but, but listen to me. Listen to me. The various ranks, what will be done? Let's First of all, let's ask this question. What will we be doing in the millennial kingdom? What will we be doing? Well, let me tell you what we're going to be doing. We're not going to be citizens of the earth. We're going to be in charge. According to the scriptures, we're going to reign as kings and priests. And there are other things that are talked about in the Word of God. Once the kingdom begins operation, we will assume job assignments given to us at a judgment seat of Christ that we've already been to. Remember we talked about that? The judgment seat of Christ, it's not a judgment of the saved or lost. It's when you get there, every man's works are going to be tried at me like that. I taught this. I hope you got it. But you're going to go to the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ is not to determine. The Bible said if we judge ourselves, we shall not be judged. Amen? If you go in the rapture of the church, everybody say we're saved. But we will all go to the judgment seat of Christ. And the Lord will look at us and, and, and determine our deeds and our lifestyle upon this earth to see what we really gave to the kingdom of God, and it will qualify us to rule and reign in the millennial kingdom. I know, I know. I've lost some of you right here. But the sobering thought is right now you are determining your kingdom right. So we gotta, we, we, we've got to give God our best. We're not in this thing to just slide through by the skin of our teeth and hear him say, well done. This is a rewarding life. It's, it's going to be eternal reward. It's going to be a life hereafter. It's going to be something greater than just coming to church and getting a touch of God on a Sunday morning. We are building for time and eternity. Can you say amen? The Bible said the new government's going to be very diligently enforced in its policies. And John said it this way, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. So strangely, the Lord is going to, to rule that way. And, and remembering the earth's occupants, they still possess the old sinful nature. And the rod of iron is going to enforce God's will upon the earth. Now, there's not going to be a devil in a thousand years but people are still going to turn to wicked ways. Amen. How do we know that? Well, let's, let's just take it step by step here. Many scriptures verify that all the citizens were required to learn the ways of the Lord and live according to God's precept and concept, and law. He's going to rule with a rod of iron. The, the, the Bible said, but they shall serve the Lord their God and David their king, whom I will raise up unto them. John reveals two positions for qualifying saints. Listen, and I said it a while ago. He hath made us kings and priests. Everybody say kings and priests. That's in Revelation 1 and 6 and 5 and 10. And then the Bible said, they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So we're going we're to be rulers. The Old Testament prophets provided further clues of the defining additional kingdom positions such as, and they named it, nobles and governors and princes. That's in the scripture. It's in your, it's in your study sheet. The New Testament reveals that the 12 tribes of Israel will be supervised by Jesus' own disciples. Let me just read that to you. It's found in Matthew chapter 19, verse 28. Ye which have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Amen. 
So in the epistles, Paul indicates that saints will judge earth subjects. He said, do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matter? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? Brother, there's a lot of stuff here. In one parable, the Lord set a man over ten cities and another one over five cities. I'm assuming that would be a governor or a president or whatever, a mayor. I don't, I don't know all the positions. Here's what I do know. There are many things in the Word of God that teach us that we are going to rule and reign and God is going to give us a place in his kingdom. We don't have to worry about being saved or lost. We are, we are there. We are ruling. We are reigning. We are judging. We are doing what God called us to do. And it's a great day for the church of the living God to be with him in the millennium. Somebody here ought to shout amen. So, subjects in the, in the kingdom. Here's, here's uh, you see the, the big block on the right. It shall come to pass that everyone that, that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of the tabernacle. And, and there, it's going back. The Lord is taking it back to the old law and, and, the, and the tabernacle, except, except there are going to be some things different when you get there. It's not going to be because Jesus Christ has come as the spotless lamb and has saved the church. And we're not, we're not, it's going to be a time of simple worship. People are going to come to bow down to him. And the Jews are going to turn back to God. Here's a question. Who will be in the millennial kingdom? And I read it to you right there. We're going to be here, but there's going to be people from every nation that are going to be upon the earth that did not die in the tribulation, nor in the battle of Armageddon. There are going to be people that exist here upon the earth. I've always had people say, well, who's going to be here during the millennium? All I want to tell you is you don't want to be. You want to go in the rapture of the church, okay? Some of you didn't even know all this was in the Bible. You thought, well, when it's over, when a man dies, boom, it's done. No, 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 there's a lot of stuff going to happen. A lot of thing in God's plan. So, so it should come to pass, Zechariah, that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the, the king, the Lord of hosts, to keep the feast of tabernacles. Many Bible scholars feel that both unsaved Jews and Gentiles will be present. And scholars conclude the unsaved Gentiles will multiply and rebuild the nation. There's still going to be kids born. There's still going to be families. There's still going to be life upon this earth. It's just going to be without a devil, and it's going to be with Jesus Christ ruling and reigning and the church reigning with him. Brother, let me tell you something. Heaven's going to be great. But I want to tell you that it's also going to be great during the millennial for the church of the living God to rule and reign and not have to worry about a stinking, lying, conniving devil every day. Amen. See, we're halfway through and we're not halfway through. Amen. Satan's final rebellion. Here's what's going to happen. During the millennium, a thousand years, Satan's bound, but man still turns to carnality and wickedness of their own flesh. When Satan's loosed, he's going to be loosed. When he's loosed, the Bible teaches us that he's going to go to and fro in the earth, and he is going to gather his army. Satan won't give up. He still wants the place of God. He's been trying to get it since Eden. He's been trying to get it since he was cast out of heaven when he rebelled before the morning stars sang together. Amen. He, he's been trying to become God, and he won't give up. So the Lord's going to loose him after a 1,000 years. The Bible said, when the 1,000 years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out 
to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters, quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog. Everybody say that with me, Gog and Magog. To gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. So the last great battle is not Armageddon. The last great battle is the battle of Gog and Magog. And the devil, the Bible said, is going to get him an army that is going to be like the number of the sand of the sea. There's a lot of folks that's going to come against the kingdom of God. And upon the release, he's going to do these things, lead them as the general, and that's when the Lord is going to ultimately destroy the devil. And the Bible said in Revelations 20 and verse 9, they went up on the breadth of the earth and the and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of the heaven and devoured them, and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. This is going to be the final uh, the final straw for the devil. He wants to gather up armies one more time. He wants to come against heaven. He wants to come against the, the God of glory one more time. But the Lord is going to consume him and throw him into the lake of fire in the battle of Gog and Magog. It's the final battle that the Lord will win against Satan. And Satan will be cast into the lake of fire and burn forever. And ever. With me? So then what happens? It ain't over. Then you have what is called the great white throne judgment. The next, next chart, if you will. The great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment. Once the battle of Gog and Magog, uh, uh, the armies of Gog and Magog are destroyed, and God then, he, he's going to hold court for all unbelievers from all ages. Okay, I, when I, don't, I don't mean ages like age of the people. I'm talking about all generations, okay? He's going to hold court. And this, this, the devil's reward is going to be cast on the lake of fire. The beast is going to the lake of fire. The false prophet is going to be thrown in there uh, a thousand years earlier. And then, and then he, the, he will be tormented day and night forever and ever. We understand that. And once Satan is deposed, the entire world is summoned to the white throne judgment. And this judgment is going to be whether for the people that are unbelievers. Now, the church is already the bride of Christ, and we're already with God. We're going to reign forever with the Lord and, and rejoice and glorify God throughout the endless ages of eternity. But here's what Revelations chapter 20 said. I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great stand before God. The books were open and another book was open which is the book of life and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. So the great white throne judgment must be distinguished from the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ, I've already told you, is where you're already saved, but he's determining your works and determining your rank and where you'll dwell throughout the millennium. And the great white throne judgment, it's not going to be for the saints. We will be there because the Bible said we're not going to be separated from the Lord. We shall forever be with the Lord is what the Bible said. So we will be there with the Lord, but we will not be judged in the great white throne judgment. Have I lost y'all? Everybody still with me? The judge on the throne is Jesus Christ. The books are the 66 books of this Bible and the book of life. And whosoever's name was not found written in the book of life. He's going to be cast into hell. And the Bible said, this is what? The second death. This is the second death. We talk often about being born again so we won't have to die the second time. We're all born naturally, and we're all going to die naturally. I'd love to tell you you're going to live forever in this old body, but you're not, and I'm not. Amen? 
but we don't have to die the second time. The second time is when men are cast into hell for eternity. We don't have to die that way. I, I, I wish I had time to really go deeper into this tonight. But here's what I want you to know. The books, when they are open, uh, John said, John said in, in chapter 12, he said, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not, receive not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. The word of God. Folks, we're going to be judged by this book right here. How in the world we can't take this book at, first, at face value and understand that this is our roadmap. This is what's going to get us out of here. It doesn't matter how crude or how mean it feels. It doesn't matter who it hurts or how deep it cuts. You know what the Bible said about this word? The word of the Lord is quick and it's powerful and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It cuts deep. The Bible said it will cut you to the it will cut asunder to the bone and to the marrow. You ever cut yourself to the bone? Anybody here ever, ever you know, you've cut yourself to the bone? That's painful. Sometimes the word of God is painful, but it doesn't matter how painful it is because we're going to be judged by the words that are written in the word of God. These are the books that we're going to be judged by, and he's going to look and see if we have been buried in his name, if we've been washed by the blood of Jesus, if we've repented of our sins, if we're living a righteous life, if we're full of his spirit, if we know God every day, day in and day out, we're serving God. Let me tell you something. There's going to be a lot of things happen in the, in the great white throne judgment at the end of all things. Here's what the books open. You see under that there's an orange line and then under that he's going to judge us by the word of God. One, one scripture says that he's going to judge us by our thoughts. Oh, when I read all this again today, I thought, my goodness, we better tighten up. He's going to judge us by our words. He's going to judge us by our works. He's going to judge us by the gospel. If we obeyed the gospel, he's going to judge us by that. And he's going to look and see if your name has been written in the book of life. And whosoever's name was not written in the book of life. Brothers and sisters, it's going to be a bad day for people that are not written there. I've already, I've already Talk to you about the second death, which is on the bottom. The second death is when men are thrown into hell. I'm hurrying here tonight because let me tell you a little bit about hell, okay? The Bible said in Revelation 21, getting near the end of all things of the book of God, and here's what he said, but the fearful and unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers and the whoremongers and the sorcerers and the idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire, or excuse me, the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. These are the kind of folks that's not going to make it to heaven. You might want to check and see if you're in there. If you're in this little group, especially, I don't believe that's everything listed, but, but John was giving us a, a bird's eye view when he said, fearful, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, liars. These people are going to have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. Let me tell you a little about hell. Hell is described as outer darkness. Hell is described in one scripture as the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Hell is described as a furnace of fire. Mark portrays a place where he said the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Jude said, it's the blackness of the darkness forever. Revelation said, the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night. It also said in, in Revelation 20, the lake of fire and brimstone and shall be tormented. So it's a place of torment, day and night forever and ever. 
Jesus declared it to be a place of everlasting punishment that he prepared for the devil and for his angels. He didn't prepare it for you. But hell, the Bible said in Isaiah, hath enlarged itself and opened her mouth without measure. You know why? Because the world is so wicked and people are turning away from God instead of to God. I don't preach often on hell, and, and you know that. You don't, preachers don't preach enough on hell. I'm just being honest with you. We need a vision of what hell really is. Folks, if we ever realize what hell really is, you know, if I, there, there's a... There's an old doctrine called the annihilation of the wicked. I've, I've listened to my dad debate a certain preacher for hours on the annihilation of the wicked. My dad didn't believe in the annihilation of the wicked, but they, they simply believe that if you go to hell, you just go and burn up. Well, that wouldn't be so bad. But you don't just go burn up. It's forever. It's forever and ever and ever and ever. It's falling in the darkest. The bottom call it a bottomless pit. And if it's blackness of darkness and gnashing of teeth and wailing, you're going to be falling and, 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 and screaming and gnashing teeth and begging and pleading God forever if you go to hell. That's why it's called the second death. Wow. Fifteen minutes. I'm going to do my best. So then John's vision, while the major part of his vision is, is talking about the rebellion and the judgments of God and all the things that he saw, he also saw something else. Next chart, please. He saw a new Jerusalem, a new heaven, and a new earth. He saw it coming from heaven. He, he, he saw things that, I, I tell you, I was thinking when I was studying this lesson, I couldn't help but think of Sister Tenney's great lesson here on a Sunday morning a few months ago. On heaven. Brother, heaven is real. And heaven is going to be a glorious place. Bible said in Hebrews 11, verse 10, and then verse 16, he said, For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. But in verse 16, he said, But now they desire a better country that is an heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, and he hath prepared for them a city. Men for ages have looked for a city. Look for what Abraham looked for, a city whose builder and maker was God. Amen? And we've been on a spiritual journey, but, but John saw it in Revelation 21. The, the apostle was astonished to see a city floating down from the sky made by God, and this exquisitely decorated city would be the home and the reward of the faithful. You know what? Instead of me just, you, let, let me just go through this little deal on the right here right quick because all your scriptures you have, them. I'm just going to talk about it. Joy and happiness, there's no sadness in heaven. Continual fellowship, there's no schisms in heaven. There's no, there's no dispersing to one, you know, you, you're not going to live on one street and me on the other and let's not speak to one another. Amen. Everybody's going to have continual fellowship in heaven, peaceful rest, complete knowledge, purity and holy, abundance, divine glory, continual worship. Those are scriptures that I, I'm not going to take the time to read to you, but here's what I'm going to tell you a little bit about heaven, okay? In heaven, there is no death. In heaven, there is no sickness. In heaven, the Bible said, he, the Lord shall wipe away the tears from your eyes. You won't ever cry again when you get to heaven. There will never be another broken heart. There will never be another funeral. There will never be a, uh, there won't be a need for an undertaker or a doctor. You, you won't even have to flip on a light switch because the Bible said he is the light of that city. Amen. I'm talking about what heaven's going to be like. Heaven, a life in heaven, it, it's, it's indescribable. How, how do I know that? Because the Bible said, I hath not, ear hath not heard, I hath not seen what God hath prepared. Heaven is going to be an awesome place. 1,500 miles high, 1,500 miles deep, 1,500 miles wide. Think about this. There 2,250 square miles. 
by comparison, the New Jerusalem is 10 times as large as Germany or France. It's 40 times as large as England and even much larger than the nation of India. Are you listening? If you compute the number of people per square mile in the city of London and the the New Jerusalem would accommodate many more than the current population of the globe. If you can visualize a city stretching from Houston, Texas, all the way to San Diego, California, upward to Canada, and across and back down to Houston, yet it towers 1,500 miles high. That's how vast the city is. It's going to be a few more folks there than what some folks think. Amen? If you think you're for no more going, you're in for a great surprise. He continued, John did, to reveal the city. It featured 12 entrances guarded by 12 angels resembling Resembling pearls, the gates were so arranged that three faced in every direct in each direction, and the twelve entries ways correspond to the twelve tribes of Israel, while the twelve foundations correspond to the twelve apostles. There's twelve foundations, fifteen hundred miles high. And you know what we're gonna do? Nobody's gonna have to work. You ain't gotta get up. You'll never have to sweat another day. All we're going to do is worship the Lord. That's what heaven is forever and ever. I'm going to try to do this. I don't want to leave anything for next Wednesday night. So from here to eternity, the last, the last chart. We've talked about it from day one. We started in the Garden of Eden. We started when the the Lord said, let there be light, and there was light. We've taken it from every dispensation, from innocence to judgment to conscience to law, uh, all the dispensations, all the way to grace to where we are now. And now we, we, we talk about going into that seventh and final dispensation, the kingdom age. But all of that doesn't matter if we don't get it right today. If we don't get it right in what we're doing. This is why the Bible said this. Enter ye in at the straight gate. I want you to listen to me for just, give give me five minutes. Enter in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and and few there be that find it. That's in Matthew chapter 7 on the Sermon on the Mount. So the Lord said there's going to be a lot of folks go on the broad way to destruction. I've heard people say, well, you Pentecostals are narrow-minded. I'd rather be narrow-minded than lost. Amen? I believe you have to know what you believe and why you believe it. I don't believe Brother Jimmy Myers gave me an article. I read part of it. I haven't read it all yet. But it's a guy right here in our town that writes in the newspaper. He writes and and, 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 uh, you you pick up the paper and read after him. And somebody would ask him a question about salvation. Let me tell you something. There's a biblical plan of salvation. It doesn't matter how many ideas you have. And, and it would be great to say, well, we're all going to the same place. Honey, I'm telling you, if we're all going to the same place, we're all going the same way. Amen? Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way. I want to find the narrow way. How about you? I want to know what the narrow way is. I'm not interested in the broad way that leadeth to destruction. We've done the whole 
I don't know how many weeks we've done, way more than 12. But I can tell you this. I've tried to take my time and go through the Scriptures and show you from the Old Testament in the types and the shadows and the symbols that God gave us all the way to the New Testament and how the church was born and how we exist and how we got here and why we're here. And the bottom line is this. Every bit of it is so that we can wind up standing before God, rejoicing and glorifying God throughout the endless ages of eternity instead of finding ourselves dying the second death and winding up in a devil's hell. That's what this is all about. How many of you want to go to heaven? I want to go, don't you? And I don't, look, I don't say this mean or ugly, but some folks want to go to heaven, but they want to go their way. You can't go your way. You got to go God's way. Amen? Jesus said, I'm the door. And if you come any other way, you're a thief and a robber. If you try to get in any other way, it's not going to work. I don't, I'm, I'm not here tonight to, to draw swords with anybody, but let me tell you, the cross of Calvary was for all men. And the death, burial, resurrection of Christ is the gospel of Christ. It's the gospel. We die in repentance. We're buried in baptism. We receive the baptism of his spirit to walk in the newness of life. And we walk righteous and we walk holy and we walk upright. And that's the way we're saved. We live by the concepts and the precepts of the word of the Lord. And you know what it said? Line upon line. Precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. It's a straight and narrow path. It's the way you got to live. It's not if you want to, you have to. You don't have a choice. If you're going to heaven, you're going God's way. You can't do it your way. I can't do it my way. We're all so opinionated. Amen? And, and, and we've got this idea now, and it's the, look, it's the great, let me tell you something. I, I, I'm, I'm just going to be real blunt with you right now. The greatest deception we have in 2022 is that everybody can do it their own way. It's a deceitful thing when the preacher or whoever starts telling you, well, you know, now you, you, you don't, forget that. Forget I'm even the preacher. Let's go to the Word of God. Let's find out what the Bible says. Let's find, I don't care what name you hang on your church. That's not going to save you. The, probably the growingest churches in the world right now are non-denominational. You know why they're non-denominational? Because they don't want to offend the Baptists and the Methodists and the Catholics and the Presbyterian and the Pentecostals and the Assemblies of God and the Church of God. They all got to come together so you can't preach a doctrine. The doctrine of God is true and salvation is right and the Lord said you got to repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You can't preach that in every church because they won't hear that. Y'all still love me? Y'all come back Sunday, I know you love me. You don't come back, I know I made you mad Wednesday night. I don't mean to make anybody mad, but let me tell you something. There's a straight way. There's a narrow way. I want to walk the narrow way. How about you? Stand all over this house. Who's got, a, who's got a question? And while the ushers are coming right quick, Brother Jimmy, I was waiting on you. Go ahead. I'm having a hard time hearing. Do I think what Jim said? Say it loud for me. Go right ahead, guys. I think according to the Word of God, eternity's it. Well, I don't find any scripture for that. Well, if I don't find any scripture for it, I'm not believing it. So I, I just believe that when it's all said and done and we, we plunge into eternity, that's it. Uh, yeah. Well, there's a lot of beliefs out there and there's a lot of, of philosophies out there, but we've got to stick with the word of the Lord. 
And I believe that the end of all things, when it says the end of all things, it means the end of all things. Okay? Anybody else? Question? Comment? I'll take them all. Suggestion? Well, here's, here's what I believe. I don't believe that a Gentile church is going to be saved. I believe the Jews are going to be saved. I believe that the, when the rapture of the church takes place, the Bible talked about when the day of the Gentile is fulfilled. That's the rapture of the church. Uh, there's all these theories. Well, if you don't take the mark of the beast, let me tell you something. <laughs> let me tell you something. You, you, if you're a Gentile, and we are Gentiles, and we live in this earth, uh, when your kids can't eat, and when you can't uh, have a, gra a glass of water, and when, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't believe that theory, that because people don't take the mark of the beast, they're going to be saved. So here's what I believe. The people that are living in the millennium are, don't have, it's, it's beyond the, the grace, the, the day of grace. That's over with. So the people that live in the millennium, they're living in the kingdom of God uh, and his reign upon this earth. And I want to be very careful here, but the Bible talks about Jews being saved. And I believe it's a time that the Jews can be saved, but I don't believe that Gentiles are going to, to I mean, you can't come to God, receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and, and be filled with his spirit in the millennium. That's not going to happen. We are ruling and reigning upon this earth. This is why the devil is going to be able to gather up the armies of Gog and Magog and such. The Bible said as sands of the sea, they're going to be numbered to come against, to come against Jerusalem and come against the Jews. So I don't believe Gentiles are going to be saved. I do believe Jews are going to be saved. Am I right on that? Somebody help me out. What do you think, Brother Eric? Is that right? When the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled, that's the rapture of the church. All right? Does that help you, Dylan? Okay. Yes. Tribulation, we talked about last week, James, and the tribulation period, I personally believe that the church will be raptured before the tribulation. Tribulation is the uh, seven years of tribulation. The first three and a half years of tribulation, the Antichrist will be introduced, but the wrath of God is going to be poured out in the last three and a half years because the Jews are going to turn against the Antichrist in the, after three and a half years. I believe in, in pre-trib rapture. I believe the church is going to be raptured out here before the tribulation. That's me. Many people believe in mid-trib. They believe that we'll go through three and a half years of the tribulation, and some people believe in post-trib tribulation. I covered all this last week, but here's, go, go, go get, and I know you couldn't be here, but go get, go watch on, uh, on Facebook last week because here's, here's what I don't believe. I don't believe that God hath appointed his people, the church, the bride, unto the wrath of God. And the last three and a half years of tribulation are going to be the wrath of God. That's when the vials of wrath are going to be poured out upon the earth. And I don't believe God's going to put his church through that, okay? So then, after the tribulation, is when's coming the battle of Armageddon. At the end of the tribulation period, because the Antichrist is set up in Jerusalem, and he's demanding everybody worship him, and all the armies of the earth are going to come against the Jews because the Jews are saying, we're not going to worship you. And when, the, when they come against the Jews, the Lord's coming out of heaven with we who have been taken in the bride of Christ to fight that battle of Armageddon with the Lord, and we're going to be on the winning side. Does that make sense? Anybody else? Hallelujah. I hope I've helped you through church. Yes. overcome the world. Mm -hmm. See, you're getting a good Bible lesson right here. That's good, brother. That's good. Good stuff. So I assume you believe the rapture of the church is before the tribulation. I do too. 
All right? Anybody else? I love y'all. Thank you for coming. Thank you for listening. And if you got any questions, look, corner me up. Let's talk about the Word of God. If you got anything about anything I've taught, I'll be happy to sit down with you and talk about that. Father, take our people and put the Word of God deep in our soul. Let our minds be upon you, Lord. Help us to be saved. We realize today, Lord, there's so much and so many things that we need to improve on and we need to know and we want to get closer to you and we want to live according to your word. I pray the prayer of faith over this church right now, especially those who are in this building on this night. Just draw us near, wrap us up in your arms. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody here said amen.